This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 We got Senator Steve Daines coming on with us from Montana. They're having a bit of a struggle with the coronavirus, as well as he is uh, competing for six more years in that seat. And Miranda Devine will be with us. You know about the stunning story of the emails. Uh, has their link to Hunter Biden, possibly implications for the former vice president, his dad. And now this morning at about 5 a.m., we have revelations about emails relating to China with more to come. Some details on that shortly. Meanwhile, if you ever miss the show, I just got to remind you, I get so many people say, I listened for a little while. Who else did you have on? Well, go to BrianKillMeShow.com. You can download all three hours and go get the podcast. That's always good to know. So let's get to the big three. You need to know. It's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Back at the White House, there's still some news on the coronavirus. We have now learned, according to First Lady Melania Trump, that Baron Trump, the president and First Lady's son, did test positive for the coronavirus. This is a new piece of information. Apparently, he had no serious symptoms. He had since tested negative. Wow, so that's interesting. We had no idea about that. COVID-19 cases, though, are uh, going up here, but they're really soaring in Europe. Lockdowns loom as sections of New York City begin to see restrictions as well. Can we stop a second wave as we all learn another Trump gets, gets and beats the virus? Number two. Do you accept that COVID-19 is infectious? That's an obvious fact, yes. Do you accept that smoking causes cancer? I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this. Are you a racist? I am not a racist, Senator Kennedy. Do you hate little warm puppies? <laughs> uh, the answer is no. Uh, you made it. Uh, meanwhile, Amy Coney Barrett, final day is starting, and there's a clear theme. You're here to overturn Obamacare, break an election tie for Donald Trump. What surprises may lie ahead for her nomination? Number one. We've just learned that Joe Biden has been blatantly lying about his involvement in his son's corrupt business dealing. And this is a big smoking gun. President of the United States all pumped up yesterday, actually took up his tie, put on a hat in Des Moines, Iowa. You made it worse. A stunning New York Post story reveals emails Hunter Biden uh, to the number three at Burisma, flaunting access to the VP, his dad at the time, and, th- and he's, of course, still his dad, but a VP at the time, and thanking Joe for the meeting. Yes, the meeting, Joe said, never happened, as social media monsters decide to lock out anyone that tried to cycle the New York Post story. And the Biden camp goes into a turtle mode. And guess what? Almost all news stations ignored this. But we did not. So what am I talking about? So evidently, months ago, uh, Hunter Biden, we think, according to the store owner, walked in and dropped off three laptops. He took two with him. They said they were water damaged. He left one. When the guy started going through it and trying to fix it, he saw all this horrible video of Hunter Biden uh, crack with, uh, it looks like, hookers. All right? Not, those three things you really don't want to see. Naked Hunter, hookers, smoking crack. For me, anyway. 
Number two is you saw a whole bunch of emails and interactions on the Ukraine, his dad, and a job on the board of Burisma, this huge energy company he obviously wasn't qualified to have. And they talked about access, and they talked about a meeting. So with that, this store owner called the FBI. And the FBI picked up, according to the store owner, picked up the laptop. But he, he copied the hard drive. Why? He said the impeachment stuff was going on right then. He is a Republican, and he was outraged because he knew in this laptop that Hunter didn't come back and picked up despite the fact that the owner said he called him multiple times. He saw all these emails, this interaction, and clearly, according to these emails, Joe Biden knew about it. Trading on the family name. In China, billions at stake knew about it. So it's odd. This guy, John Paul Mac Isaac, he is the computer repair shop owner. He was interviewed, obviously very shy. He was worried about his life the whole time, he said. So let's listen to him. And I admit, the story sounds kind of odd. They said he reached out to Mike Lee's office, Ron Johnson's office, and the FBI. Got nothing. And then reached out to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. He ended up picking it up, Rudy and Steve Bannon. So here's John Paul Mac Isaac cut six. Is there any thought in your mind that this could not, that this might not have been Hunter's and might have been somebody trying to set Hunter up? No. No. He said no. Not very wordy. He goes on. Cut seven. There's a lot of players in this. Like. The Ukrainians? Is that what you're talking about? Don't don't put that in there. Guy's got a hit squad. That's who you're afraid of. You're afraid of the Ukrainians. I'm afraid of somebody wanting to not make sure that I don't extort them for money or that I don't do, you know things with their computer. They would silence people, too. So I was afraid for the owner. I was afraid for the people that are involved on the contents of it. And I just wanted it out of my shop. So you're afraid for Hunter Biden, not of the Biden family. I I was, oh. Guy's a little strange or very nervous. So 5 o'clock this morning, another story drops, and then more emails are coming out, and there's evidently thousands of emails. So obviously he has a substance abuse problem. And you could talk about the wisdom of dropping off an, uh, a laptop that you have water damage with to a stranger and then not picking it up. Just a small, small point. So Biden is the vice chair of a Chinese energy company. Why? Because he worked at Amtrak? I, I mean, that, he has nothing on his resume. He traveled on Air Force Two to do it. We talked about that, to set this whole thing up. Within 10 days of that, he has this huge deal. That is, this Chinese energy company is the largest energy company in China, and he has an equity stake. On the email is a whole flowchart of where he lines up. And one of the things says, uh, 10 to Jim, 10 to H, comma, for the big guy. The question is, who's the big guy? That's up to George Stephanopoulos at the town hall for Joe Biden tonight. So I'm throwing a lot at you. But the most amazing thing about this, not only the emails that they exist, not only the links to Vice President Biden, who told us over and over again it did, he has nothing to do with it, but the fact that Facebook first, Twitter second, if you decided to to cut and paste that story, put it on your Twitter account and send it out, not only would they stop you, they disable your account on the spot. What happens? Unless you're a subscriber to the New York Post, You're not hearing about this story because ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, nobody's covering it. Miranda Devine, she'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour, weighed in.
Cuddy. This story is not conjecture. It is actually emails from Hunter Biden's laptop and it shows evidence that quite contrary to Joe Biden's protestations that he knows nothing about Hunter Biden's business dealings, doesn't know anything about Burisma, it actually shows a connection between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and a senior executive at Burisma. There's uh, one of the emails that we published today shows that, uh, you know, Hunter Biden was arranging a meeting in 2015 when his father was vice president with a senior executive of Burisma. And there's uh, another email that thanks Hunter Biden for arranging that meeting. There are huge gaps the day of Joe Biden uh, on his Daily Planner. There were huge gaps that he could have done anything he wanted. And this is the person on the Burisma in the email. They thank Hunter for setting up a meeting with his dad. So what about when Joe Biden was confronted with this by Savannah Guthrie, hardly a right wing zealot cut for it? Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position, no. knowing that it was really because but, that but company it, wanted access to you? Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? Logic leads you there. You have to suspend disbelief, to quote Hillary Clinton, to not think it goes there. Joe Biden again, December, Axios, cut five. What's your understanding of what your son was doing for an extraordinary amount of money? I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. And there's nobody... Well, you've had a lot of time. Isn't this something you want to get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son. But that doesn't pass the smell test. Like, when you're vice president, isn't there a higher standard? Don't you need to know what's happening with your family? Don't you need to put down some guardrails? Unless there was something that was... There was something on its face that was wrong. There's nothing on its face that was wrong. The Chinese deal, nothing on its face that's wrong. Hunter Biden with no experience getting these deals on your name. And the question is, I think, how'd you get all these houses? You should be making about $200,000 a year for 47 years. I know you could invest well. Maybe your dad left your money. But you always tell about your dad being a blue-collar Joe. Dad, blue-collar Joe's dad. So this problem, this has got to be an exploratory question or two from Stephanopoulos tonight. He can't be like, I know there's nothing wrong here. Would you back that up? Or should it be like, the perception is that these emails are correct. Not only did you know about it, you benefited from your son's interaction with these companies and these countries. Meanwhile, coming up next, Senator Steve Daines in a tough fight with a very popular governor, Democratic Governor Steve Bullock, who had a disastrous run for the presidency. A couple of polls have him in a dead heat. What's it going to take for the people of Montana to get behind a Republican? We'll find out. And at the bottom of the hour, Miranda Devine will expand on what she knows and what it feels like to be locked out of the two major social media platforms. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. 
Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A tweet overnight from Jen O'Malley Dillon. She's Joe Biden's campaign manager, and she says, there's a long way to go in this campaign and this on Twitter. We think this race is far closer than folks on this website think. I 100% agree. Maybe he's doing that, or she, and Casey Hunt's talking about that on MSNBC, uh, to get everyone motivated. Kate Benningfield is the one who wrote it. But uh, regardless, it is a lot closer. If you've seen the size of these crowds, if you understand how bad a candidate Joe Biden is and the agenda the Democrats have, it's not appetizing. It's not appealing to the mass audience. Senator Steve Daines is struggling to get that word out in Montana. He's trying to get six more years of that seat. He's going out against his governor, uh, Steve Bullock. Senator Daines, welcome. Hey, good morning, Brian. Hey, first off, Senator, one of your strongest arguments to the moderate, to the open-minded, to the undecided is you're on the Finance and Appropriations Committee. You know who's going to chair that if the Democrats get the Senate? Well, I'll tell you. Bernie Sanders. It's a frightening, it, it's a frightening thought to see who will be in charge of the United States Senate, starting, of course, with Chuck Schumer, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. But we've got a tied race up here, Brian. I mean, this this is absolutely coming down to a photo finish. This poll just came out yesterday. It's down a couple points. And here's the bottom line, Brian. If we hold Montana, we're going to hold the United States Senate. If we lose this seat, we lose the Senate. It's pretty simple. And what, what I pinned Bullock on in my debate last Saturday, uh, Bullock finally is the first Democrat Senate candidate who's running. He admitted he would be willing to pack the United States Supreme Court. Those are chilling words. At least he admitted it. But that tells you what's at stake here. They're going to they're going to completely destroy the Supreme Court. 151 years of having nine justices. They're going to tip this thing upside down, Brian. Probably the first year that they have power. We cannot let that happen. You think about the amazing judge Amy Coney Barrett putting her on the bench. That will all be undone if the left packs the court. Well, the senator they keep saying that well, he's a moderate. Uh, you are you running against a moderate? Good grief. Uh, he has an F from the NRA. I have an A+. Plus. He wants to raise taxes. I cut taxes. He supports sanctuary cities. I support the president securing our borders. He, he stopped the Keystone Pipeline. He supports a judge, a liberal judge who stopped the Keystone Pipeline. We need the Keystone Pipeline here in Montana. I want more energy jobs. He wants to put in place a carbon tax, Brian, which would absolutely – threaten more than 35,000 Montana jobs. So it's pretty clear cut 
Uh, he's a liberal. I'm fighting to defend the Montana way of life. And I'll tell you right now, this Montana TV market, this might be interesting for the listeners, it's the most expensive TV market in America, more expensive than any of the, uh, the presidential battleground states. And so we need help to keep our TV ads on there. Literally, we're running like week to week. And so I need your listeners to go to helpdanes.com. It's help. Danes.com, one word. We need to raise the resources here to finish strong. Literally, this race is going to come down to 10,000 votes. We are a relatively small population state. The last time a Republican senator lost a seat was back in 2006, and Brian, it was 3,600 votes. Had we held that seat, we wouldn't have Obamacare today. So this race here in Montana will affect the entire country. I mean, you have uh, uh, John Tester up there, too, which is unfathomable to think that he keeps winning and doing nothing. Uh, right now, the presidential race, he's, uh, the president's usually up by double figures, up at least six. The Emerson poll up 13, kind of a fringe poll, but the New York Times says he's up seven. So with the president more popular and Bullock such a miserable candidate as a president, he couldn't get off the stage. I mean, he couldn't get off the stage quick enough, never resonated. Why do you think you're having trouble? Is it just because he's got more money? Well, first of all, Brian, I'm the first Republican senator to hold this seat in Montana in 101 years. So Montana has a history of electing Democrats in the United States Senate, but these are very winnable races. And, and the, the governor, he, he, he hid from his liberal record. He's been doing that for eight years until he ran for president. And when he ran for president, it was start to expose his record. But we've got to show Montanans who he really is, how he will actually vote. And that's why we've got to have the resources here on the TV, the radio, the digital ads right now to make sure we paint this contrast because he's hiding behind this moderate image. But he is a true liberal. And we finally got him to come out and admit he's, we packed the Supreme Court here uh, last weekend. That, that's a major difference between myself. Of course, I support Amy Coney Barrett. He's opposed to her. Uh, Senator uh, Steve Daines is with us now. Senator, uh, one thing I keep seeing is the arrow going up when it comes to the coronavirus. What, what is the state of the virus in Montana? Well, we are in the red zone. Montana actually is the second highest in COVID-19 positive rates in the nation. And so uh, under the governor's leadership here, we are seeing just uh, just terrible, terrible outcomes here in Montana. Uh, we're, we're now at what they call uh, you know, on, on the short red zone list. I know the White House is very concerned about what's going on here in Montana. Uh, it's very concerning, particularly for our friends in Indian country. I have a great relationship with our tribal leaders. Uh, the mortality rate in Indian country is five times that of the general population. And so we've got to protect the most vulnerable. Those are the senior citizens, those with compromised immune systems. And, of course, our friends in Indian country right now are being hit very hard. They are. So do you have testing there? Do you Have you reached out to the, the White House? Do you feel as though the interaction's been good with Washington? I, you know, I got... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Dr. Burks on the phone with my tribal leaders and some of my hospital leaders uh, this week. Uh, we had a good conversation. I've been on, on the reservation. I was with our Northern Cheyenne leadership. I was with our Crow tribe. I was with the Salish Kootenai tribe just in the last week. And you know what's interesting, Brian? Um, 
I have I have the endorsements of a couple of our tribes here in Montana. Typically, tribes will endorse Democrats. You know, I've been fighting on their behalf of the principles of sovereignty, of self-determination. Those are conservative principles and independence. Right. And uh, we've been working with the tribes here. And you know what? Uh, they're actually endorsing a Republican for the first time, probably ever in the history of Montana. I've got the endorsement of a couple of tribes here. Yeah, let's be honest. You're going to be out-earned, same as Senator Lindsey Graham, same with John James. Uh, but you can't be outworked. If you're not outworked, you're not going to lose. And we have our affiliate KJ, uh, KJJR over in Montana. So hopefully they're listening to you. Senator Steve Daines, yeah, thanks Brian, so much. Hey, keep we, fighting. We got, we got need help on helpdaines.com is where I need your listeners right now to keep these TV ads on the air, helpdaines.com. Greatly appreciate it, Brian. We need to put this thing in the end zone. All right. Go get him, Senator. When we come back, Miranda Devine on the New York Post being barred from Twitter and Facebook. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What Hunter Biden had going for him was his last name. And he traded that last name, as did other members of the Biden family, to make millions of dollars. You know, $4.2 million from Burisma, $3.5 million transferred from the uh, former wife of the now deceased former mayor of Moscow. Uh, The intricate web, the vast web of uh, financial connections and money cash flowing back and forth between Hunter and his businesses and, and Chinese nationals that have the connections to the Chinese uh, Communist Party as well as uh, people People's Liberation Army as well. So uh, this is very troubling. What, what astounds me is how the press continues to ignore this. Senator Ryan Johnson exasperated. Keep in mind, he made his money in plastics. He's not out there to entertain. He's out there to serve. And he's just uh, beside himself because he sees all these problems with the Biden family and Hunter Biden. And everyone seems to ignore it. Yesterday, no exception. The networks ignored this story. Uh, and sort of the cable networks, too. Joining us now, Miranda Devine. Miranda, emails have opened up. They look to be Hunter's emails. And he's interacting with Burisma board members and his Energy Chinese uh, mem- board members. Even a flow chart appears showing he's basically in charge because he qualified by being good working with Amtrak. Why should we all care about this story, Miranda? Hi, Brian. Well, because it shows that there has been some sort of a cash for influence uh, racket going on with the Biden family. And, you know, Joe Biden is putting himself up as the next president of the United States. And if this is, as it seems, from these emails from Hunter Biden's laptop and other documents and photographs, then it's very troubling. And what it means is that America is compromised in its relationships with, well, Ukraine, but much more importantly, its biggest strategic competitor or even foe, China. Um, You know, Joe Biden has boasted about having more hours than anyone else face-to-face with President Xi of China, 25 hours. Played basketball Uh, together, too. (laughs) Well, the fact is that he took his son with him on Air Force Two 
to meet all these high-powered Chinese Communist Party officials. And he came away, Joe Biden, having achieved nothing for America or, may I say, its allies like Australia. Uh, China just continued on militarising those islands in the South China Sea, which is very dangerous for the security of the planet. Uh, Joe Biden was supposed to go and persuade President Xi to stop doing that. He came away empty-handed, but Hunter Biden came away with a $1.5 billion deal with a subsidiary of the Bank of China. It's extraordinary. So so this guy, Pazarski is the number three at Burisma, right? I know people rolling their eyes. They remember this from the impeachment. And he had, uh, there's an email there of Pazarski thanking Hunter for the for the for the hookup, for meeting, to having a chance to meet his dad in Washington. And they quickly came back and said, we looked at his schedule on that day. He had no meeting with Przorski. However, in Politico today, Biden's campaign would not rule out the possibility that the former VP had some kind of informal interaction, which wouldn't appear on his official schedule. People listening at home are wondering, why would that matter? Well, official schedule. I mean, isn't that interesting? They, they're very careful to say it didn't appear on his official schedule. Um, look, it matters because Joe Biden has told us repeatedly that he knew nothing about Burisma. He knew nothing about his son's overseas dealings. And here we have an email showing that Hunter Biden is organising a um, a meeting between his father, who was then Vice President, Joe Biden, in 2015 in Washington, D.C., with a senior person at Burisma, one of Hunter Biden's colleagues at Burisma, which is this corrupt Ukrainian energy company, which is paying Hunter Biden as much as $83,000 a month to sit on its board. And he has no experience in the energy Area He has no knowledge of Ukraine, does not speak the language. Uh, he also, it has to be said, has a chronic drug problem. And we published just one photo of the many that are on the laptop uh, that depicts that. It's a photograph of Hunter Biden um, with a, asleep with a crack pipe or someone said it's a meth pipe in his mouth. So we did that to illustrate how incongruous it is that this person, Hunter Biden, would be paid millions of dollars by companies in Ukraine or China to, for, for anything other than access to his father. So these stories come out. The emails, do you believe that you, the New York Post has essentially authenticated the emails? Yes. All right. So if we're to believe that these emails are real, when you guys decide, and people like Kaylee McEnany decide, this is a big story, I'm going to retweet this story, what happened? Well, Twitter and Facebook censored us. And uh, you just mentioned Kaylee McEnany, the president's press secretary. Her Twitter account was locked, but so was the New York Post. One of the biggest newspapers in the world had its Twitter account locked yesterday, at NY Post, defunct yesterday because of this story. And on top of that, Facebook announced that it was going to throttle our story on its platform pending fact-checking. Um, 
then you had Twitter also. Anybody that tried to click on a link to our story yesterday, they got a warning message. Initially, they couldn't even read the story. The warning message said it was malicious, it was dangerous, unsafe. Um, then you were allowed to click through, but you still got this warning message warning you that this was uh, bad material, could be dangerous, and could be hacking. Um, you know, where do they get this from? It's so hypocritical of these big tech oligarchs. Um, and if, if you needed any proof that they are corruptly partisan, there it was yesterday with their censoring of our story. And you never saw them censor the New York Times for publishing just two weeks ago Donald Trump's tax returns. They didn't say, oh, they were hacked or they were leaked or they were malicious. No, no problem. Um, they never had any problem with any of the material from the fake Russia collusion stories that the Washington Times, Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN and everyone else was publishing. The Steele dossier, which was scurrilous and untrue and completely unverified. No problem with BuzzFeed spreading that far and wide on social media. So this is... Election interference by unaccountable, global, big tech oligarchs. And they are trying to restrict any information which might damage the Biden campaign. So I want you to hear Kaylee McEnany when she goes to retweet this. By the way, coming over the virus, still not able to get back in the White House, but really controlling communications for 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, cut 11. It's not a temporary blockage. When I log onto my Twitter account, it says I'm permanently banned. They essentially have me at gunpoint and said, unless you delete a news story reported by the New York Post, I cannot regain access to my account. This is censorship. It is not the American way. This is not how a freedom-loving democracy operates. And we have told Twitter accountable. And Facebook, too, is banning the transmission of the story simply because, ideologically, it hurts the side of, of the aisle that Silicon Valley prefers. It's sad. It's censorship. This is not America. It isn't. Uh, and, and that's the problem. They're winning. Because as big as your newspaper is, you know, if I'm going, if I'm in Ohio, I might not really get the post every day. You know, if I'm in Montana, I might not get the post every day. If I only watch MSNBC and flip around to ABC, I don't hear about this story every day. So the social media behemoths are winning. They, they successfully yesterday limited the reach of our story. There's absolutely no question that was their intent and they successfully did it. Don't know exactly how many readers or American voters were unable to read the story, but it would have been significant. And that shows you the power of these multinational companies. Uh, they are Facebook and Twitter are two of the largest corporations in the world. They have a monopoly power on information. And you know what's even worse? They don't even have to abide by the same laws and regulations that we do, that that you do, that any mainstream media outlet has to, um, like, you know, libel laws, for instance. So that there's been talk about uh, repealing Section 230, which gives these platforms some kind of immunity from prosecution. That ought to happen, but there should be much more than that. Their, their monopoly power needs to be broken up, just like the railroads were once. Uh, it's dangerous. It is imposing 
an authoritarian rule on us because they control the information that is extremely dangerous. I can't uh, thank you enough for telling the story, writing the story. You were able to go with the column to put the story in perspective uh, for those people that are missing the story. But go get NYPost.com. Go to NYPost.com and look at this and also keep pounding away uh, and trying to retweet this because people need to know and make their judgment. Not so much Hunter. He obviously is a problem. He's got problems, huge problems. He's, he's a mess. But you got to know if Joe Biden's profiting from this, his brother with his 1800 uh, you know, his multi-million dollar contract to build condos or whatever he's building in Iraq when he's got no construction experience. This stuff, you can't subscribe to this stuff and reelect somebody that's going to bring that style of corruption to the White House. Miranda Devine, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. one 408 We come back, we get your take on their take. And also, the fact is there's war against Republicans and social media, and it's happening. What can we do to stop it? It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New results from an independent military study may provide a shot of confidence for air travelers as we head into the busy holiday season. The military says 300 tests were conducted on United planes with mannequins simulating passengers, both masked and unmasked. Each experiment releasing 180 million air particles. That's equivalent to thousands of coughs. When seated with masks on, only 0.001% of those particles actually made their way into another passenger's breathing zone. 99.99% were filtered out of the cabin within six minutes. That's pretty good if you look at a fly. A little bit safer than everyone thought, right? I agree. I think, you know, and like I've been saying... If there were really major issues with flying, wouldn't it be reported so fast? You know, there's a major outbreak because of, you know, you took this flight. I ha- you haven't heard any of it, and that sort of confirms it. So this story just in, uh, Kamala Harris halts travel after two involved in her campaign test positive of the coronavirus. So she's uh, in her office, keeping her distance. Staff still get infected. Jerry, listen to WOKV in Jacksonville, Florida. Jerry. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind? I just wanted to say that uh, I can't believe that you're appalled with Joe Biden's son. Um, Okay, let's just say he did do it. He did make money off of his dad's name. The Trump kids are doing it now, and no one's talking about it. And guess what? I'm okay with it. And you know what, Brian? If your dad was the vice president or the president, you would do the same. Oh, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? If my portfolio included a country, in this case Ukraine, and you go over there and get on an energy board when you got a crack problem and you have no experience, just it would make your dad look terrible. Number two, what I think is interesting about this, Jerry, is what their dad dad flat out lied. Uh, if this these emails are authentic, and Miranda Devine says they went through the process, New York Times, and and they don't even deny their authenticity yet, the Biden camp. And he knew about it. He flat out lied and yelled at Savannah Guthrie. You don't know what you're talking about. 
yelled at Peter Ducey, yelled at that voter who asked a question in that town hall, yelled at them. You do know what you're talking about. I knew nothing about it. No, yeah, you did. And might even have profited from it if you look at the, the, what's implied in these Chinese emails. Does that change your perspective? Absolutely not. He could get caught right now in a Motel 6 with two hookers sniffing coke, and I'd still vote for him. Really? You vote for him or vote against Trump? Vote against Trump. Yeah, there you go. All right, that's okay. There's a lot of people like that, and that's pretty much why Joe Biden has a chance of being elected. Not that he's earned it like Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or George Bush, but because he's not Donald Trump. Mike, listening in Glendora, California. Mike. Good morning, Brian. Uh, What I'm more concerned with in this situation is the fact that the FBI had this information and they were sitting on it. Uh, What I'm concerned with is that I don't think the FBI is working in the the interest of the United States uh, uh, public. And I think what Trump should be doing is asking him to come in and say, did you have this information and did you sit on it? And if he says yes, he should fire him on the spot. Chris Ray? Ridiculous. I mean, this is ridiculous that, that, that nine months later we're finding out about something that the FBI knew many months ago. Same situation with Comey. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, career ending, in my opinion. And, and, and Ray is, is not being responsive and he's not being responsible to the American people. Mike, if that is true, yes. But this is there's some parts about this story that are just a little crazy. The small shop in Delaware, this guy has trouble seeing, as Eric just brought up in the break. When you drop off a computer, don't you fill out an invoice? What do you mean you don't know who dropped it off? That seems kind of weird. Mike Lee was on with us today. He said, I called Mike Lee, contacted Mike Lee's office. Mike Lee's like, I just found out about that. I'm going to check it out. He knew nothing about it. So, and we've got to get Rudy on. Uh, we'll get Rudy on shortly to talk about this, but they finally reached out to Rudy when they couldn't go through, uh, you know, seated lawmakers right then. But if it is the FBI, they got it and just picked it up and never reported back. I think that's incredibly irresponsible and 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 condemnable. William WMNC in South Bend. William. Good morning, Brian. You know, the the last caller is absolutely out of his mind. Yeah, I understand he may dislike Trump. But this is more than half the problem that's wrong with the, the current administration and administration in the past that we never knew these types of things took place. So it's okay to condone this type of behavior for his father, who was the head of this government, our country, this great free country we live in. And he's going over there and condoning this for his son to be doing all this stuff on the backside. This is absolutely asinine. And then the FBI. They have this, and they don't do it. It sounds like to me that they're still on the Comey trail. Uh, if that's um, true, sure. I mean, it just it. I I get so frustrated hearing this stuff. I talk to you on a regular basis, by the way, and I always enjoy hearing you and listen. I see you on Fox in the morning, and then pick you up on the radio. Thank you. But I I just cannot understand how the general public just cannot see this stuff. I don't get it. I I just it, it is scary. It is. And the only thing I'm saying is for those people out there that are saying to themselves, it's too bad Trump's going to lose. Don't think that way. I mean, look at this editorial in The New York Times today. It talks about some of this. Tom Etzel talked about some of the same signs last time that happened this time. The media is going out of their way to write headlines and stories on how Trump is flailing. Trump is failing. Trump's message is not getting through. He's disappointing his own staff by not acting differently after getting the coronavirus. 
And what, when he goes and does these events, people love it. They pack the place. Now, thankfully, more are wearing masks. Three straight sold-out events, bigger than they ever dreamed. And as he shows up, I look for and begins to campaign. I look for him to close the gap because Joe Biden can't match, just like Hillary Clinton can't match, the passion people have for Trump. The thing that could cost him is a passion against him. But don't bet it. Don't count him out yet. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be joined by Chris Wallace in a matter of moments and Howie Kurtz. Let's go thinking about this now in television land. It's really a challenge tonight. Two town halls instead of one debate. It's okay for Donald Trump to go to a town hall and interact with people to some degree. And it's okay for Joe Biden to do it. But they had to have a virtual one because for some reason the debate council, the debate team, uh, supposedly nonpartisan, decided... Six days ahead of time, we're going to make a decision at 7 in the morning the night after the vice presidential debate. And now you have Donald Trump walking everywhere, interacting, and now he's going to do a town hall. It just shows that they never should have made that decision, and Donald Trump should have thought twice before he backed out even of a virtual debate. Uh, So we'll talk about that with Howie Kurtz, and we'll talk about that with Chris Wallace. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Back at the White House, there's still some news on the coronavirus. We have now learned, according to First Lady Melania Trump, that Baron Trump, the president and First Lady's son, did test positive for the coronavirus. This is a new piece of information. Apparently, he had no serious symptoms. He had since tested negative. While COVID-19 cases are soaring in Europe and lockdowns loom at sections of New York City, they begin to see restrictions here in New York. Can we stop a second wave here at home as another Trump gets the virus and beats the virus? Number two. Do you accept that COVID-19 is infectious? That's an obvious fact, yes. Do you accept that smoking causes cancer? I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this. Are you a racist? I am not a racist, Senator Kennedy. Do you hate little warm puppies? (laughs) Uh, The answer is no. She would not skirt that question. Uh, That is Senator Kennedy saying this is getting ridiculous. Amy Coney Barrett, uh, uh, Barrett, final days is starting. There is now debating without her there. You're going to see Obamacare overturned, they say. You're going to see an election tie go towards Trump, they say. That's why she was put there. Not really. What surprises may lie ahead? Number one. We've just learned that Joe Biden has been blatantly lying about his involvement in his son's corrupt business dealing. And this is a big smoking gun. All right, there we go. You made it worse. A stunning New York Post story reveals emails Hunter Biden, uh, reveals emails that Hunter Biden put out to the number three at Burisma, flaunting access to the VP dad, and that number three at Burisma thanking Hunter for setting up his meeting in Washington with Joe. Yes, the meeting Joe said never happened as social media monsters decide to lock out anyone who retweeted the story. Unbelievable. And that's where we'll begin. Now from Studio 32B, a utility closet tucked away in the sub-basement of Fox News headquarters in New York City. 
It's the Brian and Chris Show. Be involved in a radio show that'll make your, your life better, which is this one. I'm biased. I don't actually believe that this is being broadcast <laughs> anywhere. I think it's just you and me. This is going to be a straight news show. No opinion. Can you do that? Well, we're not going to be giving opinions. We're just going to be talking about the, what we did the night before and celebrities. This is like Regis and Kathy Lee. Right. We're going to have some host chat. And then we're going to talk about our medical issues. That is going <laughs> well, to talk you, as a, as a 72-year-old man, that could take up about 45 <laughs> minutes. You're a great journalist. Chris I Wallace? Journalist. America's original receptive voices. It's Brian and Chris. Chris, are you ready for this? I am so ready for this. I didn't realize this was happening. So we, it is officially now the Brian and Chris show. Uh, okay. Do you know, have we gotten this approved, Eric? Do you know? Because a lot of times we will start shows without telling anybody. The production so says it's not it is. It's not going to be the Brian Kilmeade show anymore. It's not going to be Kilmeade and Friends. It's the Brian and Chris show. And let me say, I'm such a big man. I will let you be the Brian and Chris show rather than the Chris and Brian show. Right. And, and since, you... we have that conver- since we had that conversation this last week, I'm no longer a 72-year-old man. I'm a 73-year-old man. So I have even more to talk about. I got sciatica problems. <laughs> I got... Uh, you know, I've got a ton of medical issues to discuss with you. Fantastic. Uh, Chris Wallace, of course, if you do, if I give you my three hours or I share them with you, I'll have to be part of your one hour on Sunday. That's fine. I, I mean, the three hours, it's 15 hours. You're five days a week. Yes. I'm one little hour. So you're saying I give you half an hour and you give me seven and a half hours? No, we co-host. So you do the cold well, open, we I mean. exchange so, voiceovers. So yes. yes. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to take I, I have seven and a half hours. That I'm sharing, that I'm yes. part of. Well, I mean, I'm part of 15 hours, and you're part of like one hour. Yeah. So, Chris, the other I'm thing would be like, for example, deal. who's our first guest Sunday? Do we know yet? Uh, our first guest. Oh, you mean on? Well, who's our? Who we? T- we listen, like, looking forward to you and me interviewing Howie Kurtz in a few minutes. <laughs> That'd be great. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to open up your afternoon. I, there I, you go. It's good to know you're that flexible. Uh, we're, we, we have Jason Miller, who is the se- a senior advisor to the Trump campaign. We're waiting on the Biden campaign. Uh, yeah, we're ready to go. So, you know, uh, look, just be ready. Be dressed. Remember, it's TV. It's not radio. So you got to look a little better. Right. No, I know. I, I'm not wearing pants right now. OK. Well, no, that's OK, because we're only particularly in this new world. We're only shooting from the waist up. So. Exactly. That is the story. No one has seen my knees since March. Uh, but... Chris, just Not to pivot, it's been a while. I mean, uh, Steve <laughs> does the morning show with jeans and just ridiculous shoes. I dress like I'm going to see my whole body. Well, can we maybe uh, – and uh, listen, just the fact that you said it's been a while for you and Dawn, uh, that, we could go 10 or 15 minutes just on that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, listen, I just got to share some, some relatively yep. serious news. Two okay. people on Kamala Harris's campaign plan – her communications director and her flight crew member have tested positive for the coronavirus, upending the campaign's travel plans in the final weeks of the contest. Uh, quote, Senator Harris was not in close contact, as defined by the CDC, with either of these individuals. So we'll see how that goes. We know that she did not show up in the chamber for these hearings. So uh, that's interesting. We've heard a lot about the Trump team being infected, but not the Biden team. Yeah, uh, apparently, uh, and, and let me say as my co-anchor, and I'm very glad for you to to hand me that piece of information, apparently, uh, to listeners to the Brian and Chris show, uh, Kamala Harris is saying at this point, out of an abundance of caution, she's staying off the trail till Sunday. And then if she continues 
to test negative, then she'll go back on. See, we, I'm picking right up. I love this. This is great. Brian O'Croshaw. I, I, I couldn't be happier. Right. So, and if it was true, remember, the best was the A block when it was Regis and Kelly and Regis yeah, and Kathy post, Lee. Because they post, would go, last night I went out, and the, my car didn't pick me up. The waiter didn't have my table. Bobby De Niro was there. I right. said, hey, Bobby. He looked at me like uh, I was a dead piece of fish. It's It's hilarious. Now, I got to say, in COVID, I don't have a lot of celebrity stories, but uh, I got a few. I have a few. Oh, no, you have a lot. A lot of celebrities like you. You're the only Fox member with, you're the only person on Fox who has celebrity friends. Well, that's not true. You have celebrity friends. They're just conservative celebrity friends. <laughs> we'll see. I don't really know any. Uh, so, so, Chris, a couple of things. How big, I don't want to lead the witness. How do you, you read the New York Post story yesterday about the links to Hunter Biden's emails. And now today at 5 a.m. in the morning, there's emails about Hunter Biden interacting with this Chinese energy firm. They say it's the biggest private firm in China and his role in a flow chart there about his being an officer there. What uh, what do you think of this story? I think that uh, it needs to be investigated. I, I, I at this point, there's no. Even if all of it were true, there would be nothing that is illegal. Anything that would disqualify uh, Joe Biden. But look, the whole thing, the whole Biden connection, the whole fact that Hunter Biden, who the last time I checked was not a, a financial wizard, was getting paid a lot of money by an energy firm in uh, Ukraine, was getting a lot of money from an investment firm in China. You know, it, it stinks of, uh, of of influence peddling, of, of him trying to say, hey, somehow hiring me and giving me money is going to get connection to the vice president. We've never actually been able to show that, that Joe Biden did anything improper. I think it's worth investigating. I got to say, and I know a lot of our, our listeners, and I can call them our listeners now, uh, are, are not going to be happy. This is very sketchy. I mean, the guy, uh, Mac. Alan, I think his name is, he, he, uh, somebody came in, he's legally blind, he's not sure who it was, he says the FBI, he gave the FBI all of this information in December, there's no confirmation of that, he hands it over to Rudy Giuliani, who is not the most <laughs> nonpartisan person here, so, you know, I think it's absolutely worth investigating, uh, and, you know, and anything that shows more influence peddling between the vice president and his son is is certainly worth pursuing. I just don't think it's been proven that it's – I mean, right. this meeting that supposedly the, this this uh, Ukrainian oligarch had, and you know, and I've – you know, our listeners have known for a long time how much I would like to be called an oligarch. Um, there's no evidence that they actually had the meeting. So I, I, I would investigate it. I wouldn't go crazy on it. Right. A couple of things. They said there is enough time within that on that day with the schedule there for him to go meet whatever he wanted, go get a sandwich or go jog or do his Peloton. There was plenty of air in a schedule and you, you wouldn't record that. So a couple of things. Do you know what it's like to ask somebody a question and find out later they weren't honest with you? It must drive you nuts. You ask them on Sunday. By Thursday, there's huge holes in their story. And that's it. probably how Savannah Guthrie feels now. If these emails are correct, then Joe knew about this. And if these emails are correct, perhaps he knew about the China deal in detail and could have profited from it. So this was the story when Savannah Guthrie, Guthrie of NBC asked Joe Biden about it. Cut for it. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. 
knowing that it was really because but, that but company it, wanted access to you. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? So, say well, nothing. I don't actually think that. Do we need to wait on that? Of course they wanted access to him. Now, whether they got access or whether he did anything for him, that's what we need to investigate. But does anybody, does anybody think that companies, foreign companies in China and Ukraine were doing business with Hunter Biden because he was an expert in those fields? Because just, you know, he could have been Hunter Smith or Hunter Kilmeade? No. So, yeah, uh, the appearance is that not telling the truth, perhaps that he knew anything about it. If these emails correct, of course he did. And say, you know, about the business deal, he's got, you know, that picture of the three of them golfing, I think is a problem. Now, one thing I think we can agree with, there's nothing in this story outside the email addresses that can be blacked out. There's nothing in this story that should get you banned from Twitter. But that's exactly what happened to anyone that wanted to send this out. I, I, this is, you know, I think it's because it's, it's the Brian and Chris show. I completely agree with you. I, you know, if, if Twitter wants, and, and this is the problem Twitter has gotten into and why, you know, they, they, they used to just let everything it was the wild west and everything used to go out. And then they started getting criticized because there had been all this Russian disinformation, which incidentally, this could be too. I mean, it's possible it's Russian disinformation. Um, uh, you know, but you're either in or you're out. You're either going to let everything go or you're going to start being a policeman. And if you start being a policeman, I wouldn't have a problem if they put something on there and said, you know, this is in doubt or, you know, read this cautiously. But I think banning it is is a step too far. I think, you know, censoring stuff. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with censoring stuff that you know is Russian disinformation, but we did this. That hasn't been proven here. I, I do have a problem with them censoring it. And BuzzFeed putting out the dossier, which now everybody says mostly not true. And number two is them looking, for example, that uh, that New York Times story with so alleged details about the president's taxes. Who let that out? Who hacked in that? How do we know those taxes are true? How do we know that story's true? You know, we have nothing to verify. The the Trump campaign said fake news. So that should have been enough to get that banned. So my problem is. No, no, no. I don't think it should be. I mean, you, you don't really think it should no, be banned. No, but under no, their I, criteria, it should be. No, I agree. I think it's yeah. I, I think that just the fact that somebody denies it and, you know, and that's, you know, this gets back to the debates. And when people were saying to me, you know, you got to fact check debates. The first time you fact check I know. one person in a debate, now everybody's going to be on your tail about, well, why didn't you fact check the other guy? Because, you know, just be clear, they're both saying things that aren't true in these debates. Uh, so, so, you know, I think you've got to be very even handed. If you're going to let everything out, that's fine. If you're going to say we're going to put some stuff out, uh, put stuff out, but we'll put a little marker on saying read this. At your risk, at your own, you know, just we're, we're not embracing this in any way. I'm pro- I don't have a problem with that, but I do have a problem with just saying, no, you can't read it. I mean, that right. smacks of uh, Big Brother. Got a minute left. Uh, I think I've seen you on well, television. you know, I, as the co-host of the show, no, I, we actually have five minutes left. <laughs> Eric, but Eric makes the rules and Allison <laughs> make the rules, not me. You'll realize that. Well, we have we, very we, little we're say. Gonna, we're we're going to be uh, making some changes in Eric and Allison before we <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get your, uh, get your cronies in. So okay. real quick, you, don't you agree that in retrospect they were way too quick to pull the plug on this debate last week? Um. 
well, I don't know. You know, I, I know what the commission said, and I do have a dog in this fight because I am loyal to the commission. And, I, you know, they weren't pulling the plug on the debate. They were saying it should be virtual. I think the president was too quick in pulling the plug and never should have said, well, then I'm not going to participate. I think he would have been much better advised to say, OK, I'll participate. And then as the as the truth came out and as the health came out and now it shows that Fauci says he can't, you know, gone back to the commission and said, well, look, I got a clean bill of health. Let's have a regular debate. He, I think he just cut off any oper- any leverage mm. that he might have had. True. Uh, but, because let's be clear, Joe Biden wasn't wasn't angry. You know, as soon as he said, I'm going to cut off, you know, I'm not going to participate in this debate. Joe Biden said, ABC, uh, I'll I'll book an event with you. And, you know, we're not going to have to do anything else on the 15th of October. So I think the president was too quick to act there. Does it seem now like they could have had a face to face town hall? Yeah, it sure does. Chris Wallace. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Well, I look forward to our Christmas party, which you're going to be paying with me, 50-50. Well, I mean, am I back in the next segment with Howie Kurtz? No, you, you don't like – you and Howie Kurtz have a rivalry. We're taking calls next hour. You should know the format by now. Uh, okay. Next, and hey, then Howie Kurtz. Hey, hey Joe, Joe from Buffalo, you're next. <laughs> back in a moment. Celebrating 10 years. Wait, has it really been that long? As usual, you've made it all about yourself. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. Special thanks to Chris for weighing in there. Uh, and especially because we're going to see two town halls tonight, and we could have seen one debate. Uh, Eddie, listen on WABC in Montclair, New Jersey. Eddie. Hey, Eddie. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Eddie from Montclair. How you doing, Brian? Eddie, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I, I basically made a call because uh, you made a comment that the president missed an opportunity on his virtual debate. I would have done it. The, the Excuse me? I would have done it if I'm him. Um. The fact of the matter is uh, the change and decision was made without any interaction with uh, the president's campaign. Uh, that may not be the case with uh, Biden's campaign. Uh, they're trying to protect them, and they'll find every opportunity and hide behind this COVID to do so. So I think there was nothing but a setup and his instincts are spot on. There's no way in hell if they pull a switcheroo like that that he should say, yeah. okay, I'll just go along for the ride. Or, you know, you, like you said, you go in there, you don't play your hand, very disappointed in that decision, you talk to your people, and then when he becomes clear after running three rallies in three days how healthy he is, you get them to give in. That's what I would love to see happen because if you let Joe Biden talk, Trump wins. That's all he needs. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Companies want to rig an election. They want to control what we read. They want to control journalists in this country. They want to control the news. And we just can't let them. This is, looks like to me like an in-kind campaign contribution to the Biden campaign. I want to know what contacts did Twitter and Facebook and others have with the Biden campaign when they decided to start censoring this New York Post story on behalf of the Bidens. This thing just stinks. It's so insulting. I read that statement and, and I was insulted by it. It insults the intelligence of every single American citizen. I mean, we're not stupid. We conceive that Twitter rushed to suppress this story, to censor it on behalf it's of pathetic. the Bidens, just like Facebook rushed to do the same thing. Yeah, this is they, the, the fix is in. That is Senator Josh Hawley, who's going to be taking on the uh, these uh, social media empires. But now the latest example of them playing uh, playing politics, in my view, is them deciding to suppress this New York Post story. And anybody that tried to retweet it, they would have their first Facebook and then Twitter account disabled. Joining us now, Howard Kurtz, host of Media Buzz. Uh, you can see it Sundays from 11 to 12 and then repeated. I always get the repeat at 3 in the morning on Monday. Howie, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. So first off, is it, it's hard not to see bias when you compare how they handled BuzzFeed's dossier release, the Trump taxes in the New York Times, and the New York Post story, unless you think I'm mistaken. <laughs> Look, I think this was a horrible, awful, indefensible misstep by Facebook and especially Twitter, uh, giving ammunition to every single person in America who thinks that they are, that their companies are terribly biased against the right. Uh, they, they didn't, uh, they shouldn't have done it. They didn't explain it well. Jack Dorsey, the Twitter CEO, now admitting that in a tweet, but doesn't mean they're changing what they did. And um, it certainly gives President Trump and Republicans more ammunition to saying that these tech giants are trying to help Joe Biden and are trying to defeat the Trump re-election campaign. And how effective is it? I mean, there was a time when you used to judge the networks, watch the Sunday shows, and media buzz could be complete. And there'll be CNN and Fox and MSNBC. But now you have this social media conglomerate to, to play a rising role. But, the, but their, if their goal is to hurt the Republicans, even though there's outrage, it's working. The New York Post is powerful, but it's not a nationwide newspaper. It's not an international newspaper. You know, we can get it internationally. So they, by suppressing it, by saying, I'm sorry about the communications, but not changing anything, they're winning. Well, overall, I would say, yeah, you know, I think that social media and Facebook and Twitter in particular are, you know, more influential in a way than any single American news outlet. But in this particular case, I think it has backfired. I think there are questions about the New York Post story. It is complicated. Where do these emails come from and so forth? We can get into that if you want. By, by suppressing it, Facebook limiting distribution, Twitter just outright censoring it. Yeah, I tried it myself. You try to you copy the link. You try to send to somebody even in a direct message between two people, and you get a message saying uh, your message failed. doesn't explain why. It blocks you from doing it. By doing that, it has generated so much media coverage about what the tech companies have done that I think it has brought, it has brought far more attention 
to the original New York Post story than would have been the case if they had just done nothing. All right, so let's talk about the story. So I'll give you the, the, the series of events that, as we understand it. Uh, so this guy who's a computer repair, he seems to be a key computer repair person, uh, walks in, and he believes it was Hunter Biden who had three laptops with him. Two he ended up leaving with, one he ended up leaving behind. He cannot identify directly who it was, but he thinks it was Hunter Biden. At which time, when there are repeated calls to say, pick it up, the water damage is complete, this, this computer's back online, nobody comes in. He manages to take a look at it, and while the impeachment stuff is going on, and he admits he's a Republican, he sees all these emails and this horrible video of uh, crack smoking and hookers and horrible things on there. And he ends up turning it over to the FBI while making a copy for himself. And one of those copies, he reached out to Senator Lee and Senator Johnson, never heard anything back. So he reached out to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, who contacted the mayor. The mayor got it in September, along with Steve Bannon, and now it's out in October. That's roughly the chain of events. What do you think is the most circumspect about that? Well, for one thing, we don't have the actual emails. We have like a PDF file of the email. So there's that. I'm not saying the emails aren't accurate. Uh, the Biden campaign said no such meeting take place. And that kind of backtracks it. Well, maybe the when he was vice president, Biden briefly met with this uh, Ukrainian guy. Uh, we can come back to that if you like. Uh, secondly, the timing of it. Why didn't this come out in any of the congressional investigations? The computer shop owner uh, says he's legally blind. So he's not quite sure it was under Biden, but he thinks it was. Uh, you know, all questions that can be raised by journalists. And here's an interesting sideline, uh, Brian, which is there are a couple of reporters out there, Maggie Haberman of The New York Times and uh, Jake Sherman of Politico, who posted things on Twitter saying there's this New York Post piece. uh, How come Rudy was the one who got it? You know, questioning it, which is fine. That's what journalists do. They got such heat from the left including uh, New York Times liberal columnist Michelle Goldberg tweeting, are you really going to help Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani peddled this bull, and she used the whole word, into the news cycle, uh, also some liberal activists. So in other words, not only in the view of those who, who are just dying to have Joe Biden elected, it, 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 even if you question the story, you're complicit. They don't think it should be talked about at all as an effort to suppress it. And once again, I don't think it's working. Right. Uh, the whole thing is, was Joe Biden lying uh, when he was saying he knew nothing about it when they say, thanks so much for setting me up with basically with your dad, the big guy or and then asking, can you if these uh, these emails are through, I need some help here. What exactly uh, what exactly are you asking for? Hunter comes back with and the help would be for Washington. And we know, too, that the overall policy toward the Ukraine was terrible in my view because Ukraine needed aid against the Russian invaders and they provide nothing. It was Trump that provided the aid, but I don't want to go back uh, back down that. Now, today mm-hmm. at 5 a.m., the China story emerges with this Chinese energy company, the biggest privately held fund in China, in which he's a senior vice president on. And that begs the question, what else are we going to find out about there? They also meant, they mentioned in one of these emails the big guy. And the big guy, some would conclude, might be the vice president. Was he benefiting mm-hmm. from this? So, I mean, how crazy is it that even his son felt it would be a good idea to do that when he was when he was vice president of the United States? Look, the whole influence peddling by Hunter Biden in Ukraine, uh, possibly in China and other places, was embarrassing. It was an absolute embarrassment. And, and by the way, it got written about at the time in 2015, but it, the story didn't get a huge amount of traction. Maybe you blame the media for that. Uh, you know, Joe Biden feels instinctively he has to defend his son. Hunter Biden went on Good Morning America um, six, eight months ago and said, you know, he regrets what he did because it made his dad look bad. 
But this became uh, such a political hot potato in the failed impeachment attempt that I think I guess my political judgment would be that Americans have processed it. They know that Hunter was trying to make some big bucks while his father was the VP. And unless it can be shown that Joe Biden himself actually lied about saying there was no meeting when there was a meeting, uh, I think for most people, this gets kind of down in the weeds. Next tonight, we have dueling town halls. MS, evidently, NBC employees are mad at NBC for putting mm-hmm. on a counter programming, which is a town hall with the president, to counter uh, Joe Biden's town hall on ABC. Have you ever th- has he ever heard anything like this? Not even remotely. I mean, you know, the only split screen moment I can remember like this was when Bill Clinton was giving a State of the Union address during the time that uh, the O.J. Simpson verdict was coming in. Uh, and the networks didn't know what to do. Look, I'm mad at NBC, too. And it's interesting that Rachel Maddow scolded her own network for doing this. Not for holding a town hall with President Trump. NBC has every right to do that. And, of course, uh, with the second debate having been canceled, the president wants to get into the game. But ABC's town hall with Biden had already been scheduled. How is it a, a, anything but a disservice to the American people to put it on at the exact same hour. I would like to watch both of them. In fact, I will attempt to watch both of them simultaneously tonight so I can do my job. But if they've been scheduled at different hours, then people could watch Trump. People could watch Biden. People could compare the kind of questioning that they get from George Stephanopoulos um, in the case of Biden and from Savannah Guthrie of NBC in the case of the president. When you put them on together, Obviously, you diminish the audience for both. And remember, Lester Holt had such an easy time, gave such an easy time to Joe Biden. I think that's beyond reproach. Turns out some of those undecided voters were definitely anti-Trump. And Trump was gotten some blistering comments from his town hall with George Stephanopoulos, town hall with George Stephanopoulos. I want you to hear Don Lemon to talk to Chris Cuomo about this. Cut 35. You know what everyone is talking about? All of everyone I know. They are outraged about what's happening tomorrow night. Uh, the dueling town halls. Yes. Why on earth would NBC agree to do that? All right, I'll plus minus it. Fair it, time, uh, equal time. Or you can do equal time on a different night. You can do equal time at a different time. You don't have to do it at the same time and then, uh, and then divide the country further by having them choose. The whole point of it was to bring them together. It- so they're going back and forth on that and NBC going back and forth. I think it's uh, quite interesting. The other thing is it just begs the question, Howie, why can't we have a debate? I mean, my goodness, they should. They, why they had to rush and cancel that debate when they were both doing town halls and the president's done three straight live appearances, it really makes their decision look wrong. Yeah, I think that would have been much better. But as you know, there was all this back and forth when first, after the president contracted COVID-19, the Commission on Presidential Debates, which I know the Trump campaign is trashing, said, we think we should do this virtually. The president didn't want to do that. He suggested pushing it back. The Biden campaign didn't want to do that. It went round and round. And finally, the commission uh, pulling the plug. I think in retrospect, given that the president seems largely, if not fully recovered, uh, this debate could have happened uh, tonight as it originally had been scheduled. Uh, and instead, we end up with these dueling town halls. But uh, I know I think, you know, one of the reasons people at NBC are mad is because they feel that, you know, this bails out the Trump campaign because Biden would have had, you know, this stage to himself, so to speak, the television stage. But also uh, Trump's town hall will get higher ratings, not just because he's the president, but because it's also being carried on MSNBC and CNBC, whereas uh, the Stephanopoulos uh, Biden sit down will only be on ABC. But it certainly will give us people like you and me a chance to look at the level of questioning, because I agree with you. 
the Lester Holt town hall with Biden and the Anderson Cooper uh, CNN town hall with Biden were basically softball affairs. And uh, I hope Stephanopoulos feels some pressure to be a, a little bit tougher with the former vice president. Look, if if Barack Obama was least scrutinized, you know how how clear he was, and what a great communicator he was. It wouldn't bother me much. Same thing with Bill Clinton. If they say, well, he should have been scrutinized more, which wasn't the case. You know, you just see a guy very comfortable in his own skin who knew the issues. With Joe Biden, every time you hear him talk for a length of time, something goes wrong and no one's even reporting it. Here's, for example, a couple of days ago. You may remember... I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor, okay? And I took him on. Anybody, no one's face to be questioned. Uh, and then he says later on the same day that uh, I'm running, vote for me, I'm running for Senate. Right. I mean, he forgot Mitt Romney's name. <laughs> um, you know, he's 77 years old. He has these lapses. Anybody who sees him speak knows that he is, doesn't have you know, the complete command that he did even five years ago. I've watched Joe Biden over his whole career. He's, he's always talked a lot and delivered a lot of gaps. This was true even when he was 40 years old, by the way. I covered his first campaign for president back in 1987, the one that ended with the uh, plagiarism problem. Um, but I would say this, you know, people get to it's, – it's baked into the cake. People get to watch Biden decide whether they feel like physically – Mentally, he is up to the job. Same thing with Donald Trump. Obviously, what what I think, though, and what I think helped Biden in that first debate is that the president himself and his campaign and his allies have basically painted a picture of Biden as a guy who couldn't string two sentences together, who just would be confused and days that wouldn't know what city he was in. When he did considerably better than that, despite all the interruptions, I think people, you know, in other words, it was a low bar for Biden to clear. But you're perfectly, it's perfectly fair to point out the times that he stumbles, that is part of the package. Right. I just hope we get that third debate, even though 11 million people, a stunning 11 million people have already voted. Uh, Howie Kurtz, we'll look forward to watching on Media Buzz and in between. But at the very least, a Sunday at 11 o'clock, you'll go for a complete hour. Thanks, Howie. Good to talk to you, Brian. All right. Uh, Howie Kurtz, one 408 I'll finish this hour with you in just a moment. We're also watching a little of the debate on the Senate Judiciary Committee. They're kind of going back and forth and at each other. Two or three Democratic senators have asked for a delay. Let's hold off on this vote. Look how bad things are going to be if we go through with it. But there no one's still looking at her as a candidate that I could tell and saying how in it. Um, uh, she's not up for the position. I think anybody knows she's up for the position. The mistakes I make are mistakes. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. talk show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show are you a racist i am not a racist senator kennedy you're sure i'm positive are you against clean air bright water and environmental justice i am not against any of those things do you hate little warm puppies I do not hate little warm puppies. I I think that my daughter, Juliet, who's 10, would want me to put in a plug right now to say I do not hate chinchillas because we don't have a puppy in the Barrett house, but we do have a very fluffy chinchilla, and so I don't hate chinchillas either. Duly noted. 
Right. So, so there's some of the questions. I think most of the questions are on topic, but some of them were just so crazy. For example, Senator Booker was just almost mocking himself moments ago when he said, like, I know you're not a, she wasn't a racist, but I had to ask you, do you condemn white supremacy? Because so we just take a, take a shot at the president and what happened in the debate uh, three weeks ago in that car wreck. Joe, listen on WABC in New York City. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, the two main purposes of the mass media and a free press are, number one, to serve as a check on government malfeasance and criminality on the part of our politicians yep. and government officials. And number two, to be an independent and objective arbiter of information that's in cap- that for the masses who are incapable of bearing that information for themselves. Today, the mass media serves neither purpose, neither the first nor the second. Now, with regard to Twitter and uh, Facebook suppressing this uh, information that's coming out of the uh, New York Post, you know, it's clearly tendentious. It's clearly partisan and biased towards the liberal uh, Democrat Party. Uh, and it just is simply is more evidence as to why we need to break these companies up. I know. And I, and I think that's where we're heading. The media, mass media collectively, both the legacy media as well as social media, the Twitters, the Facebooks, as well as the Viacoms and the Disney. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. And I think that's where it's heading, because I think both Democrats and Republicans, for different reasons, want to see some spreading out of the wealth and the conglomeration of Google and Facebook is really, uh, for lack of a better term, freaking some people out. However, uh, they have been driving the stock market up for the longest time. So you over you overreact, you overregulate, you hurt the overall economy. So it's good to have an American company dominate, and you don't want to see some other company from an autocratic cover government dominate. A couple of things. Some people are down on the president's prospects. I actually think they're getting better every day. And that was brought up uh, in a column today in the editorial section of The New York Times. And it was brought up by Jonathan LaMare, uh, who is a White House reporter with the AP. Cut 34. I've talked to strategists on both sides, like Joe said, who said in most of these battleground states, don't believe that it's eight, nine or ten points like we're seeing in these polls. It's much more like one, two, three, four. But of course, let's throw a little bit of cold water on the Trump enthusiasm this morning, too. They are also having to play real defense. We're 19 days out. And yes, they're spending a lot of time in places like Pennsylvania and Florida. He's going to Wisconsin this weekend. His staff has said that as of next week, he's going to have two, three rallies a day. But he's also had to go to Iowa last night. That's not defense. You're in Pennsylvania. It's not defense. That was a huge upset to get it. You're in Wisconsin. That's not defense because he's got to go earn that again. It was only thousands of votes. Iowa, yes, that's defense. But the other states, no. You got to consider that a draw. Flat-footed tie going in. So this is uh, going to be a lot more exciting than people understand. So don't get discouraged by the polls. He is very much in this. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Wow, what an action-packed day. Already we're at a break right now. Senator uh, Cruz and Senator uh, Lindsey Graham are doing an interview with uh, Fox. We already had a back and forth where the Democratic senators on the Judiciary Committee have asked for a delay of the vote. It is not going to happen. Meanwhile, Dana Prino at the bottom of the hour, Senator James Langford shortly. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Back at the White House, there's still some news on the coronavirus. We have now learned, according to First Lady Melania Trump, that Baron Trump, the president and First Lady's son, did test positive for the coronavirus. This is a new piece of information. Apparently, he had no serious symptoms. He had since tested negative. Wow. Uh, COVID-19. Cases are soaring in Europe, including Germany. Lockdowns loom as sections of New York City begin to see restrictions thanks to King Cuomo. Can we stop a second wave as we all learn another Trump gets and beats the virus? Number two. Do you accept that COVID-19 is infectious? That's an obvious fact, yes. Do you accept that smoking causes cancer? I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this. Are you a racist? I am not a racist, Senator Kennedy. Do you hate little warm puppies? (laughs) Amy Coney Barrett, final day is starting and there is a clear theme. You are here to overturn Obamacare and break an election tie, tie all for Donald Trump. What surprises may lie ahead today? Number one. We've just learned that Joe Biden has been blatantly lying about his involvement in his son's corrupt business dealing. And this is a big smoking gun. There you go. Uh, We see this. Uh, You made it worse. A stunning New York Post story reveals emails Hunter Biden had with the number three at Burisma and flaunting an investment firm and energy firm in China and thanking Joe, his dad, for the meeting. Yes, the meeting Joe said never happened as social media monsters decide to lock anyone out that decides to retweet that story, and they literally take down the Twitter and Facebook accounts. Is that okay with Senator James Lankford? I don't think so. He joins us now. Uh, Senator, thanks so much. You are correct on guessing in advance, Brian, that I don't think so. Uh, well, that, that is not okay to be able to take down just the simple facts of what's happening. So today at 5 a.m. Eastern time, we find out that there's a China element to this story we all suspected. We knew he made some money with the China uh, energy firm, the biggest one, where he's a senior executive, was forced to resign from that. But the question is, for me, is not about the terrible judgment of Hunter Biden that Joe let slide by. I don't believe for a second he didn't. But what level did Joe benefit from it? It's not out of the question by reading between the lines here that he might have. Yeah, it, it, it's not another question. We don't know. Obviously, the, the emails back and forth with uh, setting up a deal in China. So this would be very beneficial to me and my family. Uh, we don't know if that is Joe Biden's brother, uh, uh, James Biden, or we, we don't know who all that is at this point. Uh, so th- there are lots of questions running. What we do know is clearly Hunter Biden uh, was coordinating with Burisma executives to connect them with his dad. His dad was taking those meetings. We know that Hunter Biden was traveling with his uh, dad uh, to China and was working on uh, business deals there that were personal benefit while he's traveling uh, officially uh, on business there. So there's lots of stuff that does not smell right, to say the least. Uh, Obviously, national media is going to pick this up, like Fox News, uh, but uh, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, uh, CBS, NBC, they're all going to just ignore it. They're going to run stories about the fly on Mike Pence's head in the debates. Uh, rather than what's really going on with Hunter Biden. Well, let me ask you, George Stephanopoulos, I think, has a credibility issue tonight if he avoids it. Well, I think we'll find out his credibility issues uh, tonight because I I bet he does not bring it up, and I'll be shocked if he does. If he does, good for him. Uh, But we all remember uh, George Stephanopoulos was the uh, press secretary for 
um, Bill Clinton in the White House and has been very, very focused, was very helpful to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, through that time period on ABC, and we'll watch him be, I'm sure, helpful again to Joe Biden tonight. In terms of what this means, and here's what bothers me, Senator, they feel as though their audacity that Facebook shows in doing this while allowing the things like the dossier still unverified today to go out, like the whole story to be retweeted on the President Trump's taxes. We don't know if anything they said there is true, but they had no problem with that. And they don't mind the perception, at the very least, that they're leaning left instead of right. Sagar and Jetty of the Hill, uh, last night with Tucker, I thought really said it best. Cut 12. This is a grave moment in American history. This is actually a declaration of war by the big tech companies in this particular case. We need to understand this for what it is. This is an in-kind donation in the hundreds of millions of dollars to the Joe Biden campaign. These are rules that are flatly false on their face. Think about the material that you laid out. Hacked material is not to be distributed on Twitter. Does that mean that Edward Snowden's account is going to be locked immediately? Does that mean that the Pentagon Papers could not be published? Does that mean that FBI, COINTEL, Pro. Let's even think about this. They said that Twitter said that they could not distribute the story because they couldn't verify the origins. So does that mean that every single story based upon anonymous sources out of our government is going to be locked and banned from Twitter or slowed down, as they put it, from Facebook? No. These rules are selectively enforced in a political manner by the most powerful people and the most powerful companies on earth. I don't think he overstated one syllable. He did not overstate even one syllable on that. And again, the easiest way to be able to do it is they continue to be able to run the story about the president's taxes that they got from anonymous sources, from leaked uh, information that the New York Times has run. They have no problem running that. They have every problem running a story from the New York Post uh, from sources as well. And so they're they're absolutely choosing it. And he is correct. It's absolutely an in-kind donation for the largest tech companies in the world to Twitter's credit. Uh, They have flipped on it already and said, we made a mistake. We should have had better judgment, and we'll try to figure this out. But for the rest of the companies, they continue to be able to block. I don't think that's true. They said that they had bad communication, but they have not allowed you to retweet this story. I mean, I'll try it right right now when we get off uh, maybe in the break. But they said, wow, what terrible communication. But they they still – they are not only stopping you from retweeting. They are destroyed – they are freezing your account. Uh, at this hour. So I don't know if you knew something different since I started the show, but when I started this show, you still couldn't. They just apologized for not being clear on the reason why. Well, the best way to be able to do that would be for every one of your listeners to retweet the story out and let's just find out and let's uh, take what they're trying to bury and uh, make it a very, very public story. Obviously, CNN and the rest of them are not going to cover this. uh, And so it'd be helpful just to be able to get the information out as many places as we can. So uh, we're talking to Senator James Langford. Senator, right now, I cannot believe how much money, $57 million as of Monday, is flowing into the Senate race, the highest ever to take out Lindsey Graham. Harrison uh, is running there. And then you see money pouring into Michigan. But John James is surging anyway. It looks like maybe Lindsey Graham's got a two-point lead anyway. Where is this money coming from? And why don't Republicans... Why aren't Republicans able to get close to matching, even the president, not close? What's going on here? So there is a lot of money coming in from a lot of sources. As you know, there was an investigation on AgBlue just to be able to run just the public information that's out there on the AgBlue account to be able to find out for the donors that are there. They have to be able to list their occupation. 
more than half of the people list their occupation as unemployed or retired. In other words, I'm not going to tell you who I work for. I'm just a name, and there, there, there's no employer. There's no way to be able to verify this person. More than half of the people uh, that are on that site. So we don't know where all the money is coming from. We just know there is a lot of money coming and being poured into Democrat candidates. And this is a moment for conservatives, uh, for individuals to be able to step up and say, I, if I give $5 and so does somebody else give $5 uh, to the different WinRed and the different uh, platforms that are out there to be able to help Senate candidates, uh, it will make a difference. Uh, but yet all these campaigns, whether it be Montana or whether it be Colorado or whether it be North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, you can just go all the way through the list here, Iowa. Uh, they, uh, Arizona, they have all faced major money shortfalls uh, because people are just pouring money in from around the country uh, on these Democrat candidates, and they have more money than they know what to do with. And uh, they're taking races like a Montana race uh, with a million people in Montana and pouring $100 million in to be able to beat Steve Daines. Uh, so the, the numbers here are just astronomical. Yeah, he was on earlier uh, today, and he's going against their governor, and they're trying to take him out. They're trying to uh, take out Susan Collins with all types of money right. that just dwarfed the population in Maine. And uh, you're over in Nebraska, so the president of the United States is, is fighting for his life, but he's almost like a one-man army, but he's still got momentum on his side. If you watch these, I just saw a shot of what is happening now in uh, his his event that's taking place, he's going to be in Greenville Airport in uh, North Carolina. It's already packed. You saw the size of the crowd last night in Des Moines. And then the night before in, uh, in uh, Sanford, which is right near Orlando, in Florida. How do you explain the polls as opposed to the momentum, emotion, and dedication to this president? This, this is the same thing that we saw four years ago uh, when all the polls were showing Hillary Clinton uh, was way ahead and was in excess. But then you saw these massive events that were going on in the support for President Trump. Uh, they're trying to line up uh, enthusiasm uh, of people to be able to go out and vote uh, for other folks that are lined up with tons and tons of money. Uh, at this point, it's great to be able to have the, the campaign help uh, to be able to get the message out and on the air and to buy signs and to do all those things. Uh, but the enthusiasm of actual voters to be able to post on social media, to talk to their neighbors, to actually go vote, uh, to engage with other people, to be able to tell them what they what they believe and why they believe it for the future of the country. That makes all the difference in the world. So I want you to hear Jonathan LaMare, White House reporter for the Associated Press. He's picking up on something that was written up today, and that's about high school educated white supporters who are registering at a dizzying rate in Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. The Get Out the Vote campaign has worked for the Republicans. No one's talking about this. He was this morning, cut 33. The white, working-class, non-college-educated voter who hasn't voted in the past, who has indicated they're going to vote now, that's who they've been after this whole time. And they have been saying, and they do have, they have had a significant field operation. They have a far, at this point, greater ground game than the Democrats have. And it's been in place for a lot longer. You know, of course, he's running for re-election. He declared... Donald Trump declared he was running for a second term on his inauguration day, and efforts began soon thereafter. They have recognized that that's what they need this time. As much as the demographic shifts of the country maybe are breaking away from him writ large, they feel like there are more voters to be had. Voters- Senator, you're in these meetings. What are you hearing? Yeah, it's not just that, and I, I, I appreciate his description there of some voters that are in Pennsylvania, uh, but the same panic has been out there with the Biden 
uh, team to say that uh, Trump is polling higher among Latinos uh, in Arizona and in Nevada and in Florida, uh, that he's polling higher among African-Americans in different communities. Uh, that he's out there. You've got folks like Herschel Walker and multiple others that are stepping out and saying, hey, listen, I think and I've thought through these issues and I'm, I'm fully aware of, of all the heat that I take from other people on this. But here's why I think uh, Trump is the best person to be able to help lead the nation and that he's not a racist, this continual thing they just throw on him all the time. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's plenty of demographics all over the country as the campaign has been very careful uh, to be able to look at each state and to say if 2% changed, if 3% changed uh, in this state, in this area, among this demographic or in this county or in this particular place, it makes all the difference in the world. And as your educated listeners know, uh, a lot of the election boils down to about 100 counties in America and how those particular counties end up voting and, uh, and swinging one way or the other in a lot of these electoral college, uh, very tight battleground races. So uh, the, the campaign's been very strategic and how they focus on their advertising. Uh, Biden is bearing them with uh, money in different places. Uh, but Trump has been very, very focused on certain counties, certain places, certain demographics, and has been like a laser on that. Senator Langford, the other big story, and I watched Senator Kennedy reach across and talk to Chris Coons directly today and say, listen, I know you want to get a stimulus package. So do I. So let's get something together. Let's compromise and let's work something out. And Coons was nodding, of course. And let's work something out because you have 895,000 jobless claims today. We're not growing fast enough, and so many people are waiting for the PPP loans. And for some reason, some of this money is gummed up. How, where do you stand on another stimulus package? Could you get it done if both sides were determined? Nancy Pelosi blaming McConnell and Trump, of course, and, and McConnell and uh, Trump is blaming Pelosi. What, can you bring us inside this story? I can. Actually, a month ago, Senate Republicans put a package on the floor that was $600 billion uh, that Democrats called a skinny bill, uh, which made me laugh to think only in Washington, D.C. is something $600 billion considered skinny. Uh, but it, it had money for schools, money for testing, money for vaccines, money for the Paycheck Protection Program, money for uh, nonprofits that are critically helping those in greatest need right now. Uh, it, it all these key areas that we covered and went through to say we're not just throwing money out to blue states to bail out their pension programs. We're not trying to change voter laws across the entire country uh, like the Democrats are. We're focusing on the area of common ground. What do we know that we all know needs to be done? We put that out there. Democrats filibustered it and would not allow it. We're going to put that back up on the floor next week and to say, let's be serious about this. This is a set of answers. No, it's not changing all the voting laws. No, it's not all the pension plans that you want to be able to bail out across the country. Uh, but, yes, it is the essential things that are out there that need to be done for unemployment, uh, for small businesses, for not-for-profits, for schools. Uh, let's do the things that we know we can agree on and try to move those. So the, right. the Senate can do personnel and policy at the same time. Uh, so there, there's no doubt we, we can take on both and have. And uh, would have already had this done if Democrats hadn't filibustered a month ago. Uh, but we'll bring it up again mm -hmm. next week and be able to work through this. Senator Langford, yeah, get something done. Uh, people need some help, and it's not their fault. I know Republicans traditionally don't like spending, but it's really an extraordinary situation that nobody's to blame except the Chinese. And if you look what's happening in Europe and you see the second surge— to, to, please, can you stop blaming President Trump for all of this? Blame Merkel, blame Macron, blame Boris Johnson, or wait a second, maybe it is just not controllable at this time, and that may be the sad fact. Senator James Langford, thanks so much.
You bet. Glad to be with you again, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The New York Post has the fourth largest circulation of any newspaper in this country. Never before have we seen active censorship of a major press publication with serious allegations of corruption of one of the two candidates for president. So now we understand that the Senate has asked the CEO of Twitter and Facebook to come to Capitol Hill next week. So we'll see where that goes, all because of the, uh, the banning that we saw of that New York Post story that started yesterday and I don't think has relented today. Marsha, listening in South Carolina. Marsha, you're thinking about the bait that isn't. Yeah, I think that um, I agree with President Trump. He should not do a virtual debate because um, it just I don't think it would be honest on Biden's part. I think there would be too many uh, ways of him getting information fed to him. He couldn't do anything off the, off the cuff. The other well, thing is, is that I know this is going to sound snarky, but honestly, President Trump did two debates last week. He did one against Biden, and he did one against Chris Wallace. And I just feel like it was it was done out of disrespect. I'm very disappointed in Chris Wallace and his tone. And um, I'm just part of that silent majority. Uh, I, well, really put it, I know. I'll put it this way. It was an impossible situation. I think they were both at fault, and this one was going to be better. Hopefully, we'll get a third one in. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Dana Perino to give analysis on the events so far today, the past two days, and, of course, the New York Post story, and where we're looking at in the election. You watch these crowds. Do not tell me President Trump is out of this, not by a long shot. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. Chairman Lindsey Graham and I have discussed this at length, and the committee today will be noticing a markup on Tuesday to issue a subpoena to Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee next Friday to come before this committee and the American people and explain why Twitter is abusing their corporate power to silence the press and to cover up allegations of corruption. And let me be clear, I don't know if these New York Post stories are true or not. Those are questions Vice President Biden should answer. And neither does Twitter. And these are emails. They did try to verify them. And uh, they're, you know, go get them, Twitter. If you just decided not to do it, what I found astounding, and Dana Perino is kind enough to come down and uh, join us. Dana, what I find astounding is is that uh, they not only stopped, uh, did Twitter and Facebook first, Twitter second. They not only stopped 
you from retweeting the story. They, they disabled your account. On Twitter, right. And one of the explanations was, well, you had private addresses on there. Okay, you could black that out, or mm-hmm. you, know, you could say that's the reason. So you're shaking your head. I am shaking my head because it's just it's stunning. Um, I felt like yesterday Twitter wrote its own death sentence. Um, I sort of feel that you know how sometimes people will say they've said over the years Trump doesn't really want to win. You know, he was doing this on a lark. I actually think Jack Dorsey doesn't really want a company. I think he's looking for a way out, and they should just. I mean, honestly, would our lives all be better if Twitter didn't exist? Probably. Um, but in the meantime, I think that when. Jack Dorsey last night issued a statement saying our communications around this could have been much better. What I tweeted was when executives say we have a communications problem, the truth is you actually have a fact problem. And this is true from when the president blames his PR team, um, when Congress when members of Congress do it, when the CEO uh, of your company blames the PR problem. It, it almost always is a fact problem. And I think that's what's happening with, with Twitter and they certainly have just invited, for sure, no matter what happens in the election, there will be hell to pay when it comes to congressional oversight let of me these go into, companies. Let me go into the story a little bit. Uh, no one on the Biden side said these emails aren't true. And then they did say on his meeting, nothing on his official schedule. But then they came out and said uh, Biden's campaign would not rule out the possibility yeah. that the former VP had some kind of informal interaction with this number three. Right, at, there might be a Burisma. picture. Right. There might be a photograph like what could have been a photo line. And I don't think that look, even remember, President Obama thought that Hunter Biden's dealings were shady. They we know this from way back when from back in uh, when this when these stories were first brought up, that the Obama administration was like, I don't we don't like what he's doing and that Biden wouldn't hear anything of, of it. You know, he is maintained that there was nothing wrong. Maybe there is something wrong. Um, I don't know. As far as October surprises go, though. You know, this election, it, uh, it's already underway. It, it's already 11 happening. million voted. And this, it, this topic, it's an important topic. And you know where you could find out if this story was true is you could go to Google and find out if the Gmail address, like, are these emails fake or do they exist? You Google could help you out. But again, you get back to that tech company thing. Like, do you, would they cooperate? Would they help? I, I don't know. Right. So my thing is, in one way, it worked. Because it didn't get cycled. It didn't go through the country. It didn't go around the world. The New York Post doesn't have the, the length of the New York Times. Now, the other flip side would be look at all the publicity they're getting for doing this, but they're not getting anything on the other channels, on the networks, on the other cable channels, not picked up mm-hmm. by other newspapers. Mm-hmm. So it right now isn't somewhat of a silo. It's a big silo, but it's in a silo. It's a big silo. Well, and, and they're ensuring that, you know— um, it's going to be quite partisan, right? I think the Democrats will try to suppress it and not talk about it. Um, but most people get their news now on social media. And obviously, if you um, are uh, right-leaning or even center-right, you're probably watching Fox or reading the New York Post. And you're maybe reading the, uh, the Daily Wire, uh, Ben Shapiro's outfit. You know, there's a lot of different ways now that people get their news. So I think that this story, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is getting picked up. Dana. Um, first on this story, I'm just going to give you the what we know right now. So Hunter Biden, perhaps the guy evidently has sight problems. He's legally blind. Who's working you mean the, the store? Source. This no, the, the guy the who laptop. owns the computer store. Yeah. So he owns a computer repair place. How do you fix a computer with sight problems? I don't know. Right? It's impossible. I can see everything. I can't fix a computer. <laughs> so I can barely run one. So is it possible <laughs> for someone to have this judgment? To bring in three laptops water damaged, one laptop actually has you smoking crack on it, 
And with the emails that could destroy your family and your dad's hope to be president, forget it's there and leave it. Now, could stop at the crack problem, not realizing it. And then he opens it up, realizes it's on there. Calls but how the did FBI. he know that it was on there? Because he's blind. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. True. How does he know it's <laughs> on there? Then you look at it. I'm wondering, does every computer person look through your personal stuff right. while he's fixing it? So there's, there's problems with how he, they got it, but. Right. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's also, that's why, you know, you played the sound of Ted Cruz beforehand he's furious with the tech companies and look he's probably going to want to run for president in 2024 based on that but he is being very careful to say i don't know if these stories are true because when you read through it and you read about the source you're like oh this seems really fishy to me right here's here's john paul mac isaac or is it really he's got four names did i right say that wrong okay <laughs> john paul mac isaac who sounds like he's the beatles all in one he uh he's trying to explain himself to a reporter, they tracked him down. Let's listen. There's a whole lot of players in this. Like, the Ukrainians? Is that what you're talking about? I mean, don't put that in there. The guy's got a hit squad. That's who you're afraid of. You're afraid of the Ukrainians. Well, I'm, I'm afraid of somebody wanting to not make sure that I don't extort them for money or that I don't do, you know, things with their computer. They would silence people to. So I was afraid for the owner. I was afraid for the people that are involved on the content of it. And I just wanted it out of my shop. So you're afraid for Hunter Biden, not of the no, Biden family. I, I was, oh. was afraid of the Biden family. And number two, uh, they tried to reach out to him, saw the impeachment happening, felt like the, the president was getting a raw deal, says he's a Republican. Now he says in that he's not the owner. So did anyone fill out, as Eric brought up today, he's like, did anyone fill out an invoice? Do you leave a computer there and not fill out an invoice? Like that's why it just sounds very fishy. Right. It doesn't mean they're not authentic. Exactly. But and then and, and and to my point, you know, Google is the is the entity that could prove provide the proof. But would they do that? I mean, would would Republicans raise hell if you asked Google to verify something on somebody's private you know private information? Should Google be in that business? Like, I don't think so. But again, it's just, you know, we, um, Twitter, Google, all of these companies, their the technology is so far advanced and the lawmaking always lags well far behind. And now they're in a situation where they are going to just be pummeled by, by it doesn't actually matter if Republicans or Democrats win in November. Everybody's coming after them. I think so. And are you comfortable with that? Because you're a free market person. I don't, I don't know. Like I, th- I, I, I feel like Brian. I want to get this election behind us, and I really want to then focus on some of these policy issues because I like to dig in a little bit deeper. And I just feel like I haven't had time to really understand it. My gut instinct is that, for example, Twitter and Facebook. I think yesterday what they should have done is not suppressed it, but let again the free market of ideas try to determine if these things were real or not. Like, why should... And remember, Mark Zuckerberg tells me in that interview from last year, year before, last year, he said, I don't believe that Facebook should be the arbiter of truth. And I thought that was a really good principled position. And it has proved very hard for them to hold that line. You know Hoover Institute out in San Francisco? Of course. For the area. Um, so uh, Neil Ferguson. Love him. 
He writes this book three and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, it was an odd name, Square. Social Square. Social Square. Mm-hmm. And in it, he says, by the way, you don't understand about this election what, what it meant to the West Coast. I go, what do you mean? He said, the humiliation of Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. what they have felt they are going to get back at Trump. And I said, how? He goes, because they feel as though they better – they use social media to their advantage to help them win, and they're being blamed. And he says, look out for the backlash. Mm-hmm. My goodness, Dana, was he right? I mean, this could – this is exactly how well, it's think, playing out. Although, although they're getting it from both sides, right? So, But not on the social media aspect. It seems to be they're not really pushing for the conservative side. We saw plenty of the dossier. We saw plenty of the Trump tax returns. We see a lot of problems. They were actually – they went after the president's account. Well, I think that that was Twitter, right? Yep. Okay. I think I, – I, I'm, not, I'm not here to defend Facebook. I just think that there is some distinction there that Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, is, I think, destroying his company and partly the entire tech sector because everybody else then has to answer for that bad apple. Danny, you were kind enough to come in in person. I haven't seen people in a long time. All right. been it's lonely. been a while. Yes, I've been very lonely. <laughs> uh, who do you have coming up by two? Carl Rove, uh, Josh Kroshar, and that's enough. I can't remember who. And else. then you got the five. Who you don't have any guests. No, we don't, uh, I'm just going to have to bring my A game to that show today. Absolutely, the ratings are loved when you guest hosted. Uh, that was great uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, it was kind of interesting going in and out of the uh, convention, but on, on this big picture here, on looking at where this race is at started off monday if you read the stories in drudge of all places you would think there's not one positive story for the president you go to the daily beast not one positive story but when you go out and see these crowds in sanford without jay-z opening in greenville north carolina and today when in des moines iowa places he needs the votes how do you explain in 24 hours getting this type of passion for the president i think it already existed though and, you know, aside from looking at news articles, I look at the negativity. Well, look at this is what I look at. I don't always look at the news media for to, to gauge where the election is. I read from Jennifer O'Malley Dillon. That is the Biden campaign manager. And she said today, do not believe that this race isn't a lot closer. It, it, she said, I'm sorry. She said, do not believe these polls that show that there's this huge gap between Trump and Biden. She said the race is much, much closer than that. And I think that she is a very talented person. She's uh, worked for Obama. Then she worked on the Beto O'Rourke campaign. And she doesn't do a lot of publicity. But when she said that, I paid attention to it. I will say I talked about the high-ranking Republican official off camera, off uh, off mic. And they said there's not one battleground state that's not within three points. Yeah, it's close. I mean, they're battlegrounds for a reason. I think that one thing that the president does have at his disadvantage is they do not have the money going into these last three weeks that the Biden team has. And, you know, there that will be that story will be told at some point as to why the campaign is does not have enough resources to really get out there and compete on that level in that way. But the president will outwork Joe Biden. There's no doubt about that. No question. And he, when he actually goes to work, he does a better job than Joe Biden. That's also the, the thing to keep in mind. Dana Perino, can't thank you enough. Thank you. All right. We'll see you, too. Then we'll see you again at five. Same person. Different outfits. When we come back, we find out if there's indeed more to know. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. I have no agenda, and I do want to be clear that I have never discriminated on the basis of sexual preference and would not ever discriminate on the basis of sexual preference. And that was uh, ACB. Uh, that was, of course, uh, the woman who's up to be the Supreme Court uh, Justice, Amy uh, Coney Barrett. And she is, of course, wanting to be the next Supreme Court justice. But we got all caught up in this sexual preference argument. Our sexual, does that show preferences if it's a choice or you're born that way? Next thing you know, Miriam Webster changed its definition of sexual preference after Senator Mazzi Hirono calls out Judge Amy Coney Barrett about this. But wait a second. Is she using some archaic expression, Allison? Yeah, I think not. Do you want to hear Senator Hirono call her out first, just, you know, to really just, you know, shame her for using such an offensive term? Sure. Cuts one Not once, but twice. You use the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. Okay. So here is a further explanation of this. Rebuild the backbone of this country, the middle class, but this time bring everybody along, regardless of color, sexual preference, their backgrounds. Because the president has gone, become so divisive in terms of everything he's done based on race, sexual preference, or just across the board. I did not think we should discriminate against people based on their sexual preference. Allowing. So should we be insulted when we hear the term sexual preference? Is that like using some archaic term that society doesn't accept? Should they tell the 77-year-old candidate? Well, no one only became offensive, what, in the two weeks in which ACB said it? Um, all of those Biden cuts were within the past year. And now Ruth Bader Ginsburg to 2017, the venue C-SPAN. Has come to respect uh, people, um, whatever their sexual preference. Oops. She's so, I mean, uh, she is such an embarrassment to the people of Hawaii. And for everyone to try to be politically correct to a point where no one even knows how anymore, that's emblematic of that. Let's find out there's even more to know. More to know. Is this possible? Another jetpack reported flying near Los Angeles Airport. This one was 6,000 feet above Earth. Seven miles northwest of the airport at about 1.45 in the afternoon. The FAA is reporting this. Fox 11 out there. The FBI also investigating both incidents that we talked about earlier. Lee Coates, the first female jetpack pilot, previously told Fox 11 that it's possible for a jetpack to go as high as 18,000 feet, but fuel limits that range. That's a little scary. It's very scary. But also they said, um, like, they talked to jetpack companies. They said, A, it's not really, for a human to go up that high and then safely land is virtually impossible. But my question is, like, who is the eccentric billionaire around L.A. who has a jetpack that we but don't know about? why are we pretending like we all can get them and we choose not to? They're not like mopeds or motorcycles. This is flying. Yes. Individually. Indeed. A Next. really fired man. Reinventing Black Friday because of the pandemic. Walmart says it'll spread out its one-day Black Friday deals over the Three weekends in November. Does that take the fun away? I think um, I'm a fan of it, right? You get more sales for a longer period of time. You don't need to wake up crazy early and get in line. At the same time, I mean, Amazon is doing Prime Week this week, which is great. I guess. It's just another way to screw up our holidays. 
there's nothing better than not going out on Black Friday in my case. Brian, how many times have you waited in line to go out on Black Friday? Hmm. Never. Uh huh. <laughs> Next. Digital psychiatry study finds that virtual therapy more effective than face-to-face meetings. This according to the McMaster University. They concluded that electronically delivered cognitive behavioral therapy for depression is is actually more helpful than face-to-face sessions. Yeah, I think you could be more honest without looking someone in the face and wondering what they're thinking of you. Wouldn't you rather see that barrier a little bit? Um, I mean, rather than the barrier, also just be more honest, I guess, if you're sitting at home or already comfortable compared to in a, you know, a strange office-like setting. Knowing that somebody else laid down there and had some psychological uh, <laughs> thing that they were wrestling with. And finally, Navy will review its ban on beards. It turns out a lot of people look good in beards. They didn't think so. Sailors looking finally on those hairstyles days of yesteryear. Remember, we used to be able to have beards. Remember, we had long hair in Vietnam in 2019, shortly after uh, he became CNO. The Navy stopped issuing no-shave chits a form of waiver that lets sailors grow beards. So they're worried about razor bumps and other things. If it helps build up our armed forces, let them grow beards. Indeed, Eric and Pete would agree. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.